Welcome everyone to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 81 and we're reviewing My Dress Up Darling. I can't wait to talk about this. My Dress Up Darling Academia. So good. <laughs> As always, there will be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned. My hype is real, but before we get into that, let's let's catch up. What have we been doing this week? I feel like we've done nothing, but then I looked at the calendar and we kind of had a decently busy week. Oh, yeah. I've been slacking. Not slacking, but there's a lot of work that I have to do with my regular job. <laughs> Your day <So> job. <laughs> trying to catch up on that, but outside of that boring stuff, um, I've been catching up on some or like trying to wrap up some of the winter shows that we've been watching yeah um i finished orient um i still have one episode left for police in a pod i think that just released yesterday as of this recording um that show i've, I've actually enjoyed that's been kind of my comfort anime this this season besides my dress up darling um uh, what else oh still pumping through hunter hunter we're almost done with that. Yeah, super close. We are six episodes away as of this recording. <laughs> so yes, we are in the home stretch of Hunter Hunter. And on my end, um, I'm also getting through the last of winter 2022 anime. And if anyone's interested in hearing our end of season review, we do post that at the end of every single season on our Patreon. So if you're interested, go to patreon.com slash strictly series. Um, I also started... Uh, well, I started Black Butler. I think I shared that before. I'm slowly making my way through it. It's a little, it's a little more campy than I was ready for. I knew it was going to be campy. I've seen pictures, I've seen clips, and all of that. But I think my like mentally, I'm still on like a very like drama heavy type of binge right now. Like I came off of a rom com binge. Now I'm on like a drama heavy binge. So watching Black Butler and having it be decently campy kind of throwing me off a bit so I'm, I'm slowly making my way through it but i am enjoying it the, the story is turning out to be more interesting than i expected i also started fate zero i have opened up the pandora's box that is fate and Rem i ranch i <laughs> wait what oh wait what am i thinking, You're oh, thinking I'm thinking of Re -Zero. Re -Zero. <laughs> you said fate zero fate zero oh, which is the fate fr franchise and i don't know anything about fate other than there's a shitload of fate out there i mean just tons of fate con content out there and apparently the fandom constantly debates the correct watch order for fate so i was like fuck it i'm just gonna go in order of what's most popular and fate zero i think is um, at least on mal my anime list uh the most popular fate like series um i heard maybe i should also watch fate stay night um and unlimited blade works i don't know what the fuck any of this means but so far i'm enjoying fate zero um if someone wants to be so bold as to send us an email or join the discord and tell us there about what order i should be watching this in i'm open to suggestions but no big deal i'll, I'll get through fate zero and we'll see where it goes from there um i also started what is this um the case study of vanitas uh, which was recommended to us by someone in our Discord. And I am looking that up right now because I want to make sure I give them proper credit. Um, from Samuraya. So thank you, Samuraya, for uh, recommending that to us. I had been on the fence for quite some time. Your recommendation was the push I needed to finally watch it. I'm a couple episodes into the first season or first part, and I'm enjoying it so far. I think it's going to be a fun ride. So 
I'm looking forward to watching more of this one. What else have I watched? I feel like I just finished something else. Oh, ReZero. Duh. Yeah, I recently... So you have watched yeah. ReZero. I, I just finished... Ranch. I know. Probably because you walked into like the room while I was watching it. And you're probably... That's probably why you were thinking of that. But yeah, I, I finished season one of ReZero. That was really good. And so I'm going to make my way through season two. And I think there's a movie as well. So I'll be caught up on that at some point. So yeah, we've been watching a lot of anime as always. But outside of that, um, it's Restaurant Week here in Chicago. And for those who aren't familiar with Restaurant Week, it's basically, it's technically two weeks, right? But they call it Restaurant Week, so it's kind of misleading. Yeah, it's March 19th through April 4th. So yeah, it's we're in the midst of it, and I I really oh, wait, don't know. That, I just that was uh, last year's oh, last shit. year's like, March twenty fifth through April tenth. Okay, twenty twenty two. Still two weeks. So yeah, it's again misleading title, but um, Restaurant Week in Chicago, to kind of boil it down, is basically a week where restaurants put out special menus or prefixes. Um, basically, is a way to drum up business for restaurants in Chicago. And get people to try new things and support some restaurants, you know, that they normally don't. Um, I'm probably like just not giving it enough credit here, but it, it is a, a big deal in Chicago. So we went to Bayan Co. That's the yes. name, right? Okay. Which is uh, my country in Tagalog. Yes. So it's a Filipino Cuban, like, what do you call those kinds of restaurants? Fusion, fusion, fusion right? Fusion, yeah. So do you want to describe our, our experience there, our, our meal that we had? Yeah, so it was our first time going to Bayanco in the city. We've been to a couple other terrific Filipino restaurants in Chicago, uh, but this is one that my sister and her husband have been raving about, and I feel like they go there almost every week or every month. I think they befriended the owner. Yeah. And I think he's like the <laughs> owner and head chef. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, my brother-in-law ended up going to a Bulls game with the, the chef just because he had a, a spare ticket or something. So, yeah, they're... And for anyone who's not familiar, the Chicago Bulls are our basketball yes. team. Yes, well, <laughs> the Bulls. <laughs> Hopefully everyone well, we knows. Well, we have some international listeners. That's true. So I, just, just to be fair, you know, you never want to assume that everyone knows what we're talking about. <laughs> but, yeah, if, if you know Michael Jordan, you definitely know the Bulls. So. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so they're, they're on that, like, um, that just close friend level with the chef. And yeah, the the restaurant participated in uh, Chicago Restaurant Week, uh, so we had their prefix menu. Um, it was us and a couple of my cousins. Uh, I'm trying to think what what did we have? Oh, we had um, lumpia, which is like uh, Filipino baby egg rolls. Those are pretty baby good. Baby egg rolls sounds so funny. I'm sure to people <laughs> who like don't understand that they're just mini egg rolls. Oh, you, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not, not like they're not egg rolls for babies no, or egg rolls made out of a babies. Just miniature egg, <laughs> not like the large uh, vegetable egg rolls that you usually get from like Chinese restaurants. Um, these are filled with mostly like with pork, and then you dip it in sweet and sour sauce. Uh, what else did we have? I had um. You had lechon. Lechon, which is uh like a, a fried pork, fried pig. It's, it's a lot of fried foods. Filipino yes. food is a lot of oil and fried stuff and more oil. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but delicious. It's, it is it is very good. And I, I love their rendition of it too. Um, and what did you have? I had 
um oh my god watch me butcher the name ginatang gulai oh yeah ginatang um that was really good i had it with shrimp and i think that's like a coconut milky type of like dish that has like green beans kind of like potatoes. a curry like a filipino yeah. curry like, totally not spicy at all but yeah that's a good way of describing it and then for dessert we had like a a deconstructed hollow hollow basically which that was they added black salt. What do you call it? Like, right? Black yeah, like, salt. like a black salt to the top of the ube ice cream. So halo yeah. halo is a dessert in the Philippines where it's like ice cream and like flan and coconut strips and like jellies and shaved ice. And you mix it all together because halo halo means mix mix. Yeah, it, it just, yeah, I guess you could translate it to like a like potpourri or something. It's, it's kind of like potpourri. the <laughs> Filipino equivalent of bingsu for it like Ooh, those yeah. familiar with like that korean ice cream dessert yeah so i am actually not a fan of hollow hollow because i the only thing i don't like are the red beans and the ice i'm like i'd rather just eat the ingredients i don't want the ice because <laughs> i'm not a big fan of like shaved ice or bingsu mm -hmm. so this was perfect because it was just like one scoop of ube ice cream with like flan and like all the other ingredients minus the red bean um that you could just eat normally like ice cream and it was absolutely delicious um, they also gave us um, on the house a Cuban. Was it? What was it? It's just a, like a Cuban, Cubans. like the sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that was really fucking good as well. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, the food was amazing. Yeah, I think I got pretty full up. So they gave the sandwich before our entree, um, and yeah, it was compliments of the chef. So it was it was really nice, and yeah, it was probably the best Cuban I've ever had. Yeah, very, very good. But I got pretty full off of that, so I ended up not being able to finish <laughs> my lechon meal. But I got to have it for lunch the next day, like leftovers. So it was a win-win. <laughs> yeah, we definitely go back. So if any, I don't know if anyone's in the Chicago area and you enjoy Filipino food, go check out Bayan Co. Um, your, Carl's 100% Filipino. I am 50% Filipino. So obviously we're very familiar with this cuisine. And it was like really nice kind of um i don't know how to describe it not like an upscale version but just like a, a half step up from kind of like home cooking like you can tell there was some thought put into how the dish was prepared so it felt like home cooking but just like with something extra but it was a whole step up in terms of presentation yeah <laughs> very very good it is very difficult to plate filipino food in a way that makes it look appealing <laughs> yeah a lot filipino of... food full stop again like it's greasy and mm -hmm. it's probably not healthy for you at all but it's super fucking yeah. delicious and it's ugly like yeah, it's kinda... on the surface it looks like shit yeah it looks really <laughs> ugly when I, people ask me like oh what is what's this dish you're talking about and i want to pull up a picture on google but they're probably going to be like what the fuck is that yeah <laughs> but i promise you it's absolutely delicious just if you don't worry too much about how it looks it's really, really good. So what else did we do this week? I broke my retainer. Wow. <laughs> I feel the need to talk about this because I don't know. Can you hear a difference in the way that I'm talking? Not really. Okay. You pointed out that there's like a slight whistle or something. I don't. You talk. Yeah. So <laughs> I, okay. I don't hear it. Though, when I was but. a kid, um, I I already have big front teeth. And now you're going to probably look at me or someone's going to go look at a picture of me and on our Instagram and see how big my, my two front teeth are. Yes, I, you're laughing at me. I have big I a front teeth. I've, I was born this way, okay? I don't know. But anyway, um, to like make matters worse, I, I already had these big fucking two front teeth and then I would suck my thumb as a kid. Mm. And so like that pushed my two front teeth out and I had big 
ass buck teeth when I was you younger. Land a plane on the. <laughs> I basically I looked like a fucking beaver. So I got braces in junior high. That fixed everything. And of course, when someone has braces, they generally have to wear a retainer for the rest of their lives to keep the teeth in place. Well, my retainer broke recently because, again, I have big ass teeth and it's it's tough to get those off of my teeth. And I feel like my two front teeth have been like slowly moving forward again. So maybe I'm just hyper aware of it because it's literally in my mouth. Um, but I feel like I'm now starting to have a bit of a lisp going on the same way that I used to when I had my buck teeth. So if I sound slightly different on the podcast, I apologize. I hope it's not noticeable. I'm trying to be really good about not like making whistly noises or anything. (laughs) It just makes me think of the, I think it was was the character, I think his name was Gopher from Winnie the Pooh. I can't do the whistle. That's my struggle right now. whistle every other word. Yeah, from what? Was it fucking Looney Tunes or something? No, from Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, from Winnie the Pooh. Um, yeah, I sound like that. Or from for, for Family Guy friend, friends. Oh, family Guy um, fans. What the fuck is his name? The, I think the it old was guy? Herbert. Yeah, yeah, the, the family, pervert yeah. guy. Herbert the pervert. I just got that. <laughs> Mr. Herbert. Oh, yeah, Herbert <laughs> the pervert. Shit. Um, yeah, the pedophile guy from uh, <laughs> from Family Guy. He whistles when he talks. I feel like I sound like that. But again, maybe to everyone else, I sound totally normal. Um, but I'm trying my best here. So I have an orthodontist appointment in like two weeks and then hopefully a week after that i'll get my my replacement retainer so bear with me for the next couple of weeks as i struggle to not sound like i'm whistling while i'm talking (laughs) i hate it it's bothering me so much you know how much work i put into not having buck teeth and now they're moving back because i broke my retainer like damn (laughs) like i said you sound fine to me okay thank you i feel a little (laughs) bit better um, that's good. And I guess the only other fun thing going on right now is literally happening as we're recording. My friend is in labor apparently today. Oh, is that a fun thing? I would <laughs> hope having for, a baby is a fun thing. I mean, like maybe the experience <laughs> yeah. of labor is not fun, but yeah, the exciting part is that she's going to have a baby. Yeah. I guess like she went into labor today. And so like literally as we're recording, we have, if anyone listened to our previous episode where I shared, um, my experience at the PowerPoint party. It's that same group of friends. It's our friends from college. Um, So the PowerPoint party friends are all in a group text and they are placing bets on the gender of the baby and when the baby will be born. So everyone is putting in their bets and we'll see who wins. What we win, I have no idea, but I guessed a boy at 6 p.m. And it is now 7.41 p.m. So I have already lost. (laughs) Oh, it was already born? No, <laughs> I think we're going to have to redo the bet because if the baby doesn't come out today, then we're all going to have to wager again for tomorrow. Oh, um, but we'll see. <laughs> I don't get, know. Like, rights to be like godparent or something. <laughs> <laughs> Naming rights. We get to name the fucking baby. Okay. <laughs> if I win and I can name the baby, what should I name the baby? Uh, Marin Kitagawa. <laughs> oh my god, that'll be the whole first name, Marin Kitagawa. And if it's a boy, Aaron, Wakana oh, Gojo. Okay, Aaron, Aaron Yeager. Yeager. <laughs> Aaron Yeager. Yeah, that'll be just the first name. Um, but yeah, so that that's also happening. Hopefully, I want to stay kind of like aware of what's going on in this group text, but hopefully, it doesn't distract me too much while we're recording. Yeah, best of best of wishes to our friend and her husband. That's very exciting. There's a, a baby about to be freshly birthed. 
So there you Why go. You have to say it like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just I don't know. <laughs> well, let's move on to anime. Well, I guess we we talked about anime stuff, but more anime related things, specifically, I guess updates regarding our podcast. So for any JoJo fans out there, um, if you haven't ventured over to Strictly JoJo, um, our other podcast, with our most recent episode, we shared that there was an announcement at Anime Japan. Yes. About Stone Ocean and the release of the next core. And apparently the next 12 episodes will be released fall 2022. So quite a bit a ways, quite a bit a ways, quite a bit away from now, like six months or so. So we have shared on Strictly JoJo that we will be launching our Stardust Crusaders review series. We are jumping into part three for the next six months until Stone Ocean starts up again. Yari yari does it. It's great. Jotaro Kujo, here we come. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're a JoJo fan, if you love Stardust Crusaders, if you want to hear us talk about every single episode, then join us over at Strictly JoJo. And over to Attack on Titan news, uh, you might have noticed last week was a little bit quiet on that front. Uh, we didn't have an episode, and that is because there was no episode released last Sunday. Um, I think they were focusing their efforts on Anime Japan with their own um, an, uh, special event for Attack on Titan. They didn't announce any news regarding a part three or, or a, a movie to round out the series, but we know for sure that at least the conclusion of part two of the final season will be yesterday as of the time of this episode's release. So yeah. <laughs> you guys in, are in the future because we don't know where the final episode like how it's going to go <laughs> yeah <laughs> so fingers crossed there's an announcement about what's happening with the rest of attack on titan i mm -hmm. mean there's gotta be it's funny i feel like a lot of people were bummed I, I was browsing twitter um as anime japan was happening and a lot of people were bummed after the attack on titan segment that there was no announcement about the remaining portion of attack on titan and part of me was like well they never said there was going to be i feel like that's just us getting our hopes up and then them not doing anything so then we feel all disappointed but it's like they never came out and said that there was going to be an announcement like that and at anime japan we just assumed there was going to be yeah but if you put on a huge event like that you would think they would at least have a, a teaser at the end yeah that's right? true maybe they they're just gonna tell us at the end of the final episode or the season finale that's like if like Star Wars had a panel, like a, a big, a huge event. And you would think at the end of it, they would announce like the next Star Wars movie, but then they don't. You know what this feels like? <laughs> this feels like every fucking Nintendo Direct we've had recently. Oh, yeah. So our our friends in our group, we call them ConFam as we shared before. ConFam, there's like several of us that are diehard Zelda fans. And every time there's a Nintendo Direct, we're all in like a group chat together talking about every single announcement. And we're like, okay, they're going to save uh, the announcement about Breath of the Wild 2 for the very end. They're, they're going to save it for the very end. It's coming. It's coming. We feel it. There's going to be some, some sort of announcement. And then every fucking time for like the last few Nintendo Directs, there's been nothing, nothing about Zelda. And then we send clown emojis and clown memes because we're all clowns for thinking that Nintendo is going to do that. So that's what that feels like, is we're just assuming that Nintendo is going to tell us more about Breath of the Wild 2. But really, they had no plans to. That's just us making that assumption. But to be fair, 
there was an announcement very recently mm-hmm. that they're delaying it a little bit further to make sure it's a good game. So we finally got our, our non-clown moment. So yeah, at least you got an announcement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we don't have one for Attack on Titan yet. So get your clown memes ready because who knows what's going to show up at the end of the season finale, if anything. But yeah, since you guys are technically in the future uh, compared to where we are now recording this the, the week before the final episode of Part 2 releases, they probably would have made an announcement by now. But regardless, we will be back on track for one more special episode for Attack on Titan as we review, I believe it's episode 87. Yes. Don't say the title because it might be spoilery. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, so if you're listening to this episode, if you've tuned in and you know whether you know, you know what happens in episode 87 that aired technically yesterday and there was no announcement feel free to send us clown clown emojis clown emojis and clown (laughs) memes join the discord so you can clown on us about there not being an announcement when we are assuming that there's going to be (laughs) okay one last thing before we dive into our discussion related to attack on titan i i just bought a coffee mug that has the wings of freedom on it you did i'm drinking out of it as we speak and it's kind of cool do you feel more like levi now does levi drink coffee um he doesn't oh i don't want to say this i was gonna say something but it was a spoiler so no i'm not i'm gonna just i'm gonna stop right there <laughs> all right so at the expense of any other potential attack on titan spoilers let's let's just go right into my dress up darling oh my god my dress up darling um you go first what did you think well i want to talk about the the title uh the japanese title for a bit um translated as the beast <laughs> i knew it I no knew this is part of, this is what that. is this is what is no, part of I my question <laughs> the bisque doll that fell in love that's the japanese title or like translated into english so but the they, japanese title is sono bisque doll no they say bisque doll bisque i mean yeah <laughs> so it's like is, sami it, is it bisque or bisque <laughs> so the japanese pronunciation would be bisque bisque but here in the U.S., you would say bisque. Or if you're French, you would also say bisque. I'm but only bringing we're here this in the up. US. <laughs> I'm only bringing this up because there was one time we went to. It might have been a French restaurant, and I typically like to order soup with my meals, and so they had lobster bisque on the menu. That they did. And so the waiter comes over, and I order. Maybe I said lobster bisque, but then I told you, I was like, okay, I'm going to order the lobster bisque. And then you, <laughs> and you I was called like, the me what? out. <laughs> you called me out on it. I was like, what did you say? The what? The lobster <laughs> what? Lobster bisque? <laughs> <laughs> what? It's I'm not French. saying that's not a, an option to pronounce it that way, but here in the U.S., generally we say lobster bisque. So I was like, what the fuck did you just say to me? It's like that one time... Where you asked if I had an umbrella, but you said you have a bumbrella. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I mix two words together. That happens a lot. And so something just comes out of my mouth. Or that one time that you were, I, I don't remember what, what board game we were playing, but you were trying to describe something. And, you know, like the pattern plaid, like a plaid shirt. 
um you said played and i was like i don't know what played is what is played and you're like like the lumberjacks the shirts that they were they wear i'm like a plaid shirt okay <laughs> why would you spell it p-l-a-i-d <laughs> well this is english we're talking yeah about. english is the most <laughs> fucked up language out there yes. in terms of like how things are structured well hey i need to have my my rare occasions where i can i can uh make fun of you for the way you pronounce things because i often fuck up words far more often really yeah you you fucked up uh hayden christensen recently (laughs) called him christian (laughs) hayden what was the context i was like oh well um because we were watching thor and natalie portman came on i was like oh look it's the chick who got choked out while pregnant by christian (laughs) hayden spoilers for star wars prequels i mean it's it's been over a decade that's that's yeah i i I took a double take i was like (laughs) i mean christian haydenson sounds like a legitimate name (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like his doppelganger but anyways so yeah bisque (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so they say it bisque. You've trained me to say it bisque, but... I, I In this context, me... you can say bisque. Yeah, and it's not the, the soup kind. I had to look up what bisque meant. <laughs> I think the definition is unglazed china that is not to be glazed, but is hard-fired and vitreous. I don't know if that's the material like um, Hina dolls are made out of. Probably... I could see that. Like a like a, a kind of fragile sort of material like China. Yeah. Um, well, I know a lot of people were very confused by the localized title of My Dress Up Darling because it's not anywhere near a, a direct translation. Um, sometimes you do get that. I don't know who makes the decision on localized um, titles for anime. What the fuck is this? On Mal, there's a Shiba Inu shouting at me. What? Is it part of their like... They're doing some tournament right now. Uh, it says cobwebs seem to be collecting on your anime list. Maybe a spring plan to watch cleaning is in order. What the fuck are you talking about? I am on oh. Mal every fucking day, <laughs> like multiple times a day, updating my Mal with all the shit that I'm binging. What is this? I don't know what Mal's trying to do here, but anyway, that was very distracting. Anyway, back to my dress up, darling. Um, yeah, people were confused by the localized title and yeah i don't know who makes those decisions but it is what it is it's my dress up darling and i i kind of get it like it still fits it works right oh sorry no i went to mail and i'm seeing you got the shiba inu okay what the fuck is this i'm just gonna um ignore that what what, what was your question sorry (laughs) (laughs) like the localized title for my dress up darling like why it wasn't a near direct translation of what the Japanese title is. Probably because it rolls off the tongue better than the bisque doll that fell in love. That's true. That's true. Get out of here, Shiba Inu. I'm like opening up my dress of darling. And oh, no. It, it disappeared. It's probably because I ignored it. Um, but <laughs> going back to your original question, my, my thoughts on the show uh, or initial thoughts, I know that this anime has taken the community by storm for the winter season outside of of course attack on titan and demon slayers um entertainment district arc i feel like the world has now gone like kitagawa crazy i see her hell yeah like twitter i've seen her on like tiktok and people spider-man meme everywhere i go i see her face (laughs) (laughs) uh and it was definitely a a feel-good anime Uh, i i remember hearing a lot of things about how it, it's pretty lewd and etchy but also feel good but i think in in those terms it's not copious 
with the amount of loot. I think it's just the right amount. And of course, it just focuses on, I wouldn't say like a love story, but this growing relationship between two almost completely opposite characters uh, centered around a topic that we are pretty familiar with, which is cosplay. Yeah, um, I'm just going to come out and say it. I fucking love this anime fucking love it i thought it was absolutely fantastic um i will still try to be as objective as possible because even if i love an anime or hate an anime the whole point of us doing what we do here at strictly anime is to just have like decently objective reviews where we kind of infuse our own personal tastes here and there um but genuinely i think this is a fantastic anime like whether or not i love it to death i think it is genuinely a well done um successful anime it's it's a great rom-com one of the best that i've ever seen and i've seen a lot of rom-coms so i'm i'm sold i am here for this anime and i was a bit nervous about the etchy aspect of it i don't really i'm not off put by etchy i've seen plenty of shit like i i watch prison school like i i know etchy to a certain degree but i don't gravitate toward it so i was kind of like oh is it going to kind of dampen my experience with this Mm -hmm. anime but honestly like the actual and etchy scenes are pretty fucking out there. But overall, the etchy across the anime is relatively mild and still makes for a super wholesome rom-com. It does not at all impede on the fact that this is a wholesome rom-com. I think it was in service of the plot. 100%. Which is like a pun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I completely agree. Like I, I had heard from a friend who is reading the manga Um, that this is pretty etchy but super wholesome. I was like, how is that possible? How can you have an etchy anime that's wholesome? Like those are complete opposite things in anime. And I I feel like they were able to strike that balance because to your point, the etchy scenes were in service to the relationship between Gojo and Marin or Marin's personality. And Mm -hmm. it was almost in service as well to the comedy. Like I feel like there was a point to the etchy and right. again, I haven't seen a ton of etchy, but or a ton of etchy anime, but I have seen a decent amount. And I can't think of any other anime where I felt that way about the etchy, where I was like, the etchy makes sense. It 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 is needed. It's okay. It's not needed in the show, but like it it works in the show. The only one that comes close, I would say, is uh, High School of the Dead. I was gonna say the same thing, but really only for the scenes with the tit physics when they're sniping. That's it. There's like the two yeah. scenes where there's like titties and the bullet goes through the titties. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. Just be careful. Make sure no one else is around. Um, that I think made for a an iconic moment in anime. But other than that, I don't think we needed the rest of the etchy in High School of the Dead. Yeah, it was overly gratuitous in that anime. It's been quite some time since we watched it. And maybe I'll give it another watch just for the fun of it. Um, but yeah, here in my dress up darling... It, it does kind of weave itself into the story. And it's it's like there are certain episodes where it's like dialed up to 11, but it's not in ways that would make you uncomfortable. Again, it plays to the comedy aspect of the story and, and to uh, the relationship between Gojo and uh, Kitagawa. Are you going to call her Kitagawa or Marin? I think I'm so normally I go with like what name is most commonly used in the anime. So like obviously we're calling him Gojo, we're not calling him Wakana, his mm-hmm. first name. But I think Marin is used frequently enough in the community that I think I'm probably gonna go with Marin. Okay. 
I might use it interchangeably, but yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I think that also just plays into Gojo's personality as well. He is, he's your typical like. This isn't a shonen, but like typical shonen protagonist who's timid, shy, like has awkward social skills. So obviously, working with like one of the prettiest girls in his class, it's causing him to have these sort of like not him, but experiencing these lewd moments with. Akitagawa so yeah it definitely incorporates well into the story rather than being something like out of left field yeah and I stand corrected I think the only other ecchi that I've seen where the ecchi made sense is probably prison school because the whole point of that show if you um if you've seen it you know is pretty much the ecchi like it's it's like built around the ecchi because it's Mm -hmm. some of the most extreme crazy like borderline hentai type of ecchi i've ever seen in my life so i'll i'll give it to like just those scenes in high school of the dead and then prison school and then here with uh, my dress up darling i feel like it makes sense but let's talk about the voice actors really quick um since we're chatting about marin and kitagawa i believe both of them um are relatively new to the you know, the, the Seiyu scene here. Um, I'm pulling them up. I don't know if you have them up already. Yeah, I have their um, wiki articles pulled up. Uh, Gojo is played by Shoya Ishige, and uh, Kitagawa is played by Hina Sukuta. So this is probably, like, their breakthrough roles. Like, they've act, uh, voice acted in other anime, but I think these are some of or these two characters are probably their most notable role. Although yeah, sorry, just to, I have it up here. So Hina Suguta, the voice actor from Madin, has only had four roles in anime. Um, uh, Madin being one of them, and then Shoya Ishige, um, who voices Gojo, has had five roles in anime, and uh, Gojo is one of those. So yeah, they're both fresh seiyus in the industry. Uh, it says here he's been in Nagatoro. Probably a I don't know who Gamer Boys is. You, you're probably more familiar with who that character or characters are um they were super minor characters mm. they're not even he's those roles aren't even listed on mail because oh, i think they're okay. like super super minor uh he was also in the video game lost judgment oh shit uh, I need to I play that you, yeah you have i don't know if this is also a a minor character but yeah for their for being like novices um in the voice acting community i thought they captured their roles very well i'm obsessed with Marin's voice actress, Hina Suguta. She's she's already become one of my favorite seiyus um, of all time, like from the female side of things. Like I really love Maria Ise, who is most well-known for Kilua from Hunter x Hunter. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, put, I've put Hina already on my favorites list of, of voice actors because I think she does an incredible job and performs in a way that you don't often see in anime. Like, she was a fantastic fit for Madin. Um, She wasn't, like, too... She wasn't annoying or, like, overly cutesy um, or any of that. She had a lot of personality, but the personality was incredibly realistic. It wasn't, like, this over-the-top, like, moe or, like, cutesy shit. It was realistic voice acting, at least from, from my point of view. Yeah, I think the way I looked at it... I think the equivalent for us in America is... Like, she kind of sounds like the, the valley girl... Act. like she has that valley girl accent but oh, it's yeah, like toned down a little bit and yeah it's it's obviously much different from a lot of the over-the-top performances you would expect from female characters in anime 
but yeah, like you said, it just sounds more realistic for like a, a, a show that's about high school students. And Marin has this infectious, amazing personality um, and demeanor about her. And again, this this voice actress did a phenomenal job of capturing that um, in every single moment of every single episode. And just the range of emotions that she's able to display and just like the the pure, like I felt the love and adoration that Marin had for other people's hobbies or for her own interests and hobbies just through the way that this voice actress was able to portray her excitement. I was like blown away. So I, I could talk all day. I think she's a fantastic voice actress. She was a great cast for Maudine, Um, Both really great, great cast for the two main characters. And it blows my mind that these are pretty new voice actors in the industry. I mean, talk about wonderful casting. Actually, I found a YouTube video recently where the two voice actors, I don't know if they were doing an interview, um, but this was a translated YouTube video by the channel Shiro Subs. And I think the voice actor for Gojo again, uh, Shoya Ishige, was tasked with creating one of the cosplay outfits from the show for the voice actor for Kitagawa Hinasuguta. And he would have three months to complete the outfit. And that was just in time for Anime Japan and Japan's um, anime convention that happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, so they debuted his, or like the outfit that he created for uh, Kitagawa's voice actor. And it was for Shizukutan. I think um, Kitagawa's first cosplay outfit. And it, came out pretty nicely and we oh, we can share the youtube video where they pose the challenge and as well as some of the tweets of her outfit in the discord and i'm just surprised like he had he has the talent for sewing just like gojo does yeah it's that's like method so cool. acting yeah <laughs> life imitates art or whatever that saying is mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool i i think that that's that hopefully allow them to feel even more connected to their characters um knowing that like at least for in gojo's case the voice actor shared a similar hobby or talent um and i, I don't know i think it came through i think it worked yeah apparently they also had like merchandise for my dress up darling at anime japan a lot of the like acrylic stands um it looks like the main the three main female characters in like wedding dress outfits oh my god how cute i want that yeah, and then the, a tapestry that has a pretty etchy shot of uh, kitagawa of course it does <laughs> <laughs> um so i can share that uh, we can share that in the discord as well well while again while we're on the topic of the two main characters i'll just come out and say it i i'm announcing that madi and i'm sure like a lot of people is now my waifu and i think we talked about this mm. um recently i think our last episode yeah on 86 so i guess to make it more official on this episode i i have female characters that i love in anime like lisa lisa from jojo um or who the fuck else am i thinking of right now (laughs) clearly clearly a lot of my favorites aren't aren't female characters um but madin has basically become my first waifu i've never connected with a female character on a level that would deem them you know that coveted title of waifu and then madin came along and blew that all away um so yes madin is i guess i'm gonna officially announce she's my she's my waifu oh i have duh i have faye valentine from cowboy bebop of course um uh 
uh, Taiga Isaka from Toradora are on here. But yeah, Madin's Madin's my waifu. I'm I'm sure she's a lot of people's waifu, and I'm happy to share her. Let's all make her our waifu because she deserves it. She's definitely waifu material. No, it's still gotta be Komi for me. <laughs> but I will admit, uh, Kitagawa. I'll just call her Marin now. <laughs> it's gonna call, you too- can call her whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here it's me interchanging. But yeah, I think Marin is a a great all around waifu. Like she has the characteristics like she's dependent she speaks her mind she's also bubbly energetic maybe that does describe every other female anime character (laughs) Um, but none that have stuck out so much like she has and um you shared this with me and i know we talked about this in our previous waifu conversation um they recently confirmed or announced a modding figure that's yes. coming out her and her school outfit um we can share a link to that in the discord as well but i will be pre-ordering that as soon as it's available i think it looks fantastic yeah they just have the prototype of the figure so it's not in its full color yet although i'm looking at a picture of it right now they have at least colored in her eyes are uh, they which, pink yeah like obviously one of the most distinct characteristic of characteristics of Marin's physique um so yeah hopefully that'll be up for pre-order soon during the year uh we talked about this last episode there is a custom figure that uh Jeff from Otaku Host Club shared in our or in the Otaku Host Club discord and he tagged both of both of us in it knowing that we have a love for my dress up darling uh it's Marin in her a swimsuit outfit from episode two and then there's a an nsfw version of that which you know that kind of treads a, a fine line <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, i think i don't know who custom makes those but those are available for pre-order um for anyone who can't wait for the official figure i guess <laughs> I, i'm excited for the the official uh, school outfit one i think it's great I'm surprised they went with that versus the cosplay ones, but I guess that's her iconic outfit outside of her cosplays. So that makes sense. I hope they make a Gojo because I would love to get both of them. Um, And I I do want to really quickly shout out Cloverworks for the winter 2022 season. I don't know why that was a tongue twister. But we all know Cloverworks had a rough year last year. Um, They had some pretty big, like, disappointments that happened some really big disappointments that happened actually Hmm. and so they've kind of been on thin ice you know people are are a little weary of them but i think they're coming back as strong as ever they had not only my dress of darling which was phenomenal they also had a cabbie sailor uniform and for anyone who watched that that animation is just as fucking good as my dress of darling so to have those two incredibly animated anime come out at the same time while also having like a lesser third anime that they were working on, which was Tokyo 24th Ward. Um, that one was okay. Um, you could tell they were not dedicating nearly as many resources to the animation of that anime. Um, but to have Akebi and My Dress Up Darling at the same time, I think they they really pulled through for this season. I think they, they're proving that they are still a powerhouse in the anime industry. And I think one of the best examples is the fucking feet animation. Both of those anime, yeah. Akebi and My Dress Up Darling, have these crazy feet animation that happen at least once or twice in each of their shows. 
it was not once or twice. Like I, I know. <laughs> I think you dropped a kebby like after a couple episodes. I did. Okay. I, I know it's really good. I, I'm sure it's like very wholesome, fluffy slice of life type of thing. But if there's no end goal, I can't get invested. Yeah, I'm still going through it because I figured like we started it, might as well power through it. Um, it's okay, but yeah, I like I don't know what it is with Cloverworks and feet this season. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know. That's like now they're trying to make that their forte. Um, but yeah, it, it's impressive that they worked on three projects. Although I think My Dress Up Darling blows a Kebby and uh, Tokyo 24th Ward out of the water. Yeah. Um, because I, it, it seems like this was their main priority this season and um, it definitely delivered. So let's really quickly talk about Gojo as well. Since we've talked about modding. Pretty. A lot of things we want to talk about pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, well, okay. I know we want to get into like the 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 actual episode episodic review, but I think there's a lot that needs to be said that could kind of span across all of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about Gojo for a bit. Um, what did you think about him? Because I think he's a character that's a little more divisive between the two of us. Yeah, he's wooden as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I I love Gojo. I think he kind of represents uh like the the typical uh, shy timid high school student not sure about the direction in life and all that but i do appreciate that he has a like a, a passionate hobby of his i think the show just doesn't capitalize on him really developing more in that hobby so that it can be more in service to his relationship with mine and his his skills increasing with building her cosplay which is that's fine i just wait are you saying they don't capitalize on that yeah like you you see it i think in like bits and pieces throughout the show see i disagree i actually feel like they capitalize on that quite a bit because almost every episode seems to be maybe not every episode, but maybe like every cosplay arc seems to be dedicated to a specific problem that Gojo is trying to solve to make that cosplay work. Like for Shizuka, I think that... Shizuku. Shizuku. I'm bad with names. Susie Q. <laughs> Susie Q. Um, that one was all about like, how do I even make a cosplay to begin with, right? And like the boob bag and all that stuff. Um, then you have, I'm going out of order, but then you have the, oh, fuck, what is it called? I'm bad with names and titles. The second one that she wears with the silver uh, wig. Uh, Black Lobelia. Yeah, Black Lobelia. I think that was a separate problem to solve. But then you also have um, this, she, she, fuck, I don't know any of their names. There's Veronica, who's the third one. No, wait, wait, hang on, hang on. It's, um, it's um, let me go back to mail. Juju. Juju's her cosplay name, um, the short pink haired girl. Uh, when her sister Shinju, the one in junior high, wants to be, uh, she wants to crossplay and be a male character. That's a separate issue that Gojo has to figure out. Um, and then you have um, the last cosplay, the succubus character, mm-hmm. where he has to figure out basically how to take creative liberty over a character where there's not a lot of detail. So I feel like there's definitely. While it's not like maybe the the core focus of each episode, although sometimes it is, I felt like they still did pretty a uh, pretty decent job of capitalizing on his growth um, as a cosplay creator. Because again, they're tackling all of these unique things like wigs and stuff, makeup, how to change your face shape. I mean, I have to say, 
the level of detail and appreciation that this creator has for cosplay is phenomenal. And if anything, I learned a lot about cosplay through this anime. And I've been cosplaying for like 20 years now. <laughs> Not that I'm like a pro or anything, but there were still plenty of things that they talked about that I had no fucking idea existed. No, yeah. And we we asked uh, your sister, uh, who's a seamstress, and we sent her like screenshots of some of the patterns and like notes that Gojo was taking for the costumes and asking like, are these accurate? Um, and like I said, like, it, that that was great. It was nice learning about the cosplay process, and you bring up good points about the different things that Gojo had to learn. But he is first and foremost a Hina doll craftsman, and I get it. Like the the show again is focused on cosplay and how that he uses that to build his relationship with Marin. But I feel like his actual hobby is overshadowed a bit. Not that I want to see that equally or get equal weight in the show, but I feel like we learn about his Hinadal hobby once and then we see it like every other episode. And it I feel like there could have been I know it's a feel good anime, but just a little bit more conflict with like how his work on Marin's cosplays might have been affecting like his hobby with Hina dolls or like if he would had to struggle with like running the Hina doll shop with his grandfather because he's working so much on her cosplays. That's what I was talking about more. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And I, I agree. I think the only time really we get an inkling on his development in the Hina doll like world is, uh, I think there's one episode where his grandpa looks at the face and mm -hmm. he's like, Oh, I haven't had time to like practice my Hina doll craft and so i feel like i'm rusty and it's probably gonna look terrible and his grandpa says you've improved and he he connects that to the time that gojo is spending with Madin and him getting more experience basically outside of his little bubble and experiencing the world is allowing him to create more beautiful hina dolls so mm -hmm. that was I, I, there may have been others but that was the only thing that i can remember where yeah to your point they actually address his growth in that space yeah i guess other than other than that, uh, Gojo's personality obviously pales in comparison to Marin's because she's just so out there and he's still kind of breaking out of his shell. And so it's that situation where, you know, opposites attract, and I, I can feel that. Um, I just wish he had a little bit more personality. But I, I do love the analytical side of him, how he treats his projects with such care and detail he does the research on a lot of uh, Marin's costumes um, to the point where he can like figure out the right sort of fabric that a character would use for their outfit or the right type of wig. Um, that part I, I do enjoy about him, but I think he's a little too plain um, for my liking, I guess, even though I feel like I'm also describing Tadano from Oli and he's, <laughs> Kind of the same way, but I do love Tadano. So Stumpy I don't know. Boy. <laughs> well, I, I hear you. I, I agree. Gojo is one note at times and does on occasion fall into those um, anime protagonist tropes of like self-doubt and crying and defeat and all that stuff. But I feel like that's intentional. Like it works here because Marin is his complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine having two Marins? If Gojo's personality was like Marin's, I would have a heart attack watching the show it would be fucking exhausting <laughs> but i i love the um romantic element of opposites attract i love 
and I've shared this before, I love when two characters, in a romance or not, have very different personalities and they have to come together and in some ways like they clash or they get themselves into unique situations because they're so different. Again, whether that's a romance or like two partners in crime or even like rivals in an anime. So I think it works really well here because he's still a genuine character. He's still interesting to me despite being potentially one note because he's still genuine and mm-hmm. has a character in which he like his morals and his values are unquestionable. Like he never does anything sus, basically. He never does anything that makes me doubt him. And that's why I really enjoy his character because this this romance is supposed to be very wholesome, very um, happy, very uplifting. Because clearly there's not a ton of drama that we experience in this this first season. I'm going to say it's the first season for now. Hopefully we get a season two. But I, I enjoy that. I very much enjoy that about Gojo. And I know Giguk recently put out a video um, all about My Dress Up Darling and about Madin specifically because he he feels she's also waifu material and in that video giga calls him a catch and i completely agree gojo is totally a catch he's incredibly understanding and forgiving of marin's short uh, shortcomings and i don't know like the fact that she's clumsy right or that she's an airhead and i feel like he knows that she only ever means the best and has the best intentions and even with people outside of marin like he he always approaches them um in such a positive light that I think that makes up for him potentially being boring on the surface. I think if you watch him a little bit closer, he's actually a pretty interesting character because I'm almost wondering what does it take to annoy or piss off Gojo? Yeah, you make good points there. I don't think I've ever seen him like angry on the show besides the thing, like he questions some of the things that mine brings up. Uh, but you just jogged uh, another thing in my head that came up is that another thing I, I do appreciate about Gojo is, like you said, he kind of brings out the best in the people that he interacts with because um, him knowing like he has a his own hobby that he's passionate about, he sort of inspires other people to, to bring out their passions as well. He's very respectful, of course, of uh, Marin's newfound hobby of cosplaying. He helps... Uh, Juju's sister, her name escapes me. Shinju? Shinju? Yeah, Shinju. Uh, break out of her shell because she has a growing desire to cosplay. And so it's here, like, I like that he is acknowledging everyone else's passions, even though he feels like he's had to kind of keep his passion closeted for fear of what other people might think about it. Uh, but yeah. I just love that he has that mentality of, like, don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked quite a lot about My Dress of Darling in general. Let's jump into the synopsis and the episodic review. All right. So everyone wear their cosplay best as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for My Dress Up Darling. So to start, My Dress Up Darling, titled in Japanese as the Bisque Doll That Fell in Love. Bisque. <laughs> is the 2022 anime adaptation of a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Shinichi Fukuda. Produced by Cloverworks and directed by Keisuke Shinohara, the series follows Wakana, Wakana? Jo- Wakana Gojo, an aspiring Hina doll craftsman who gets thrown into the wonderful world of cosplay and teenage romance after agreeing to help his classmate, the sultry socialite Marin Kitagawa, with some anime-inspired costumes. 
in episode one, someone who lives in the exact opposite world as me, Discount Gojo just wants to live a quiet life with his passion for Hina dolls until he inadvertently runs into his classmate of higher social status, Kitagawa, in their high school sewing room. Learning of her desire to become a professional cosplayer despite her piss-poor sewing skills, Discount Gojo decides to help Kitagawa after she unveils her own passion for the hobby and a little cleavage as well. Wink, wink. Oh. Um, OP and ED. Let's get right into it. OP is called Sun Sun Days or Sun Drenched Days by Spira Spica. Uh, I wasn't really fond of this song. It, it did grow on me, though. I think you enjoy it a lot more than I do. It's just your typical happy-go-lucky J-pop song. I fucking love it. It's so good. It's just this OP is like Marin Kitagawa. Like, this is just her pure essence. It's everything from the, the music to the visuals, again, is just so infectious and amazing and just, like, sucks you in the way she does whenever she's on screen. So I love it. I could listen to the OP all day long. It's on the Spotify, and I get excited every time it comes up. I think visuals-wise, my two favorite things about the OP is the beginning where you see both uh, Gojo and... Oh, I wrote Miran here <laughs> in my notes. I think it autocorrected, but uh-huh. Gojo and Marin's days, like when they both wake up in their daily routine, you can see Gojo, like he wakes up on time and, and gets his stuff together, and Marin kind of just jolts awake and like quickly straightens her hair. That that part <laughs> of the OP gives me flashbacks because that was me in high school. I would sleep. I would ignore all my alarms. I still fucking do. Um, but I would ignore all of my alarms. I would sleep in and then I would wake up and watch Pokemon, the the Pokemon episode that I recorded. Or if I recorded something on Adult Swim, I would watch that as soon as I woke up instead of getting ready for school. And then I would panic because I was behind and the school bus was going to show up pretty soon. So then I would like panic, straighten my hair and like throw my makeup on and stuff. So yeah, I can completely, completely relate to everything that happened to her in that OP. Yeah, I'm a, I was actually more like mine too. I, I did not wake up on time for school, and so I kind of just threw clothes together, um, quickly washed like my hair or whatever, and put a quick product in it, and then just hopped into my car and drove. <laughs> yeah, there was no <laughs> no real prep time there. Uh, but the second thing I love is I think during the chorus part, uh, you get a preview of all her cosplay outfits. Uh, I think there was yeah a total of four. Uh, and she's like taking Gojo for a, for a whirl, just like how she does uh, physically in the show. <laughs> <laughs> physically takes him for a whirl. Yeah, I think mentally. <laughs> oh, yeah, mentally. That that's what I uh, that's what I meant. Um, and then she like I think there's one part in the background where you see a uh, in her like school outfit doing a little dance, and she has like a heart thing. <laughs> she does a heart thing with her fingers. I just think it's funny. You always do it. You mimic it whenever we watch the OP. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not a full-on dance, but she's just jiving with that heart symbol in the back. <laughs> and ED-wise, you have the song Koi no Yukue, uh, which translates to Where Love Is by Akari Akase. This song, I vibe to. Kyun, kyun, kyun. Yeah. I'm not going to sing it because I don't sing, but kyun, kyun, kyun. Yeah, 
I don't know. It, it's just so... This one, too, just sounds so wholesome and happy. And I looked up the lyrics, and it's just about the singer falling in love. <laughs> the, yeah, the coon, coon, coon. It's a really chill, cute ending. I, I enjoy it a lot. It's mm-hmm. like the nice, um, like cool down you need after watching some of these episodes oh, where you yeah. get all hot and stuff so it's a nice it's a nice relaxing cool down after all of the modding yeah and the aesthetics just like cartoony versions of gojo and modding kind of like doodles it actually reminds me of one of my cousin's art styles uh but yeah song wise <laughs> i looked up the the like english translation uh you know the part where it's like na 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 yeah well, i think the the line before that translates to i don't know if this is right but it, this website says watch me closely while i get prettier <laughs> oh <laughs> okay um <laughs> uh, but yeah it's just a song about falling in love um set to a great like chill j-pop beat and I don't know if you've seen the music video for this song no. by the artist, but it's kind of cool because the the singer again, Akari Akase, um, she cosplays in the video as Marin, so she has that schoolgirl outfit with uh, the the blonde and pink hair, and then she also has the first cosplay, the Shizuku outfit, and then the black lobelia which is, I think, the, the the second outfit that mine wears. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. That's dedication. Yeah, so we can share a link to that video in the Discord for anyone who's interested. As far as the episode goes, I, I didn't have a lot of notes because I feel like this was just a solid introductory episode. Like, it, it did its job. It, it, first of all, showed us that the animation is going to be crazy good, that Cloverworks is pulling out all the stops. Um but I, it just pretty much was the baseline of the fact that we have um, a super popular, attractive character who happens to be an otaku and loves her, her, you know, her hobby of watching anime and even diving into some lewd stuff as well. Um, and then you have the, the opposite character who's um, pretty much a, again, introvert, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. He's the unpopular guy who has no friends and has like a hobby he's also very dedicated to. And then they discover each other's hobbies and they become friends and start their journey, their cosplay journey together. So yeah, I just thought all around this first episode did its job of introducing us to the main characters, setting up the premise for the entire show and immediately sucking me into the show. Like right away, I was like done. This is it. I'm here. I'm on this ride. Let's go. Yeah, I've, I thought like when we were first introduced to Gojo, it was just kind of like that stereotypical male protagonist. Again, the timid, the shy, the introverted one. Uh, but it's really like Marin who, who steals the show and adds more color into his life, thankfully. Uh, it's kind of weird because you would think that like in most shows, like the, the male character is like more into that like anime culture but here it's like the 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 turns are tabled um (laughs) with uh mine even though she's like of a higher high school social status like she's still very much into that sort of pop culture which you know i think that's just a testament to like in the real world anyone can can get into anime it doesn't matter 
your 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 social class, I guess, or um, your personality right. or whatever. No, I completely agree. I think that that's part of the reason I really enjoy this show is that it breaks away, or I guess has a different spin on a lot of anime tropes. Like, don't get me wrong, this follows the rom com formula. There's mm. even a fucking um, you know beach episode, I guess technically. Um, but what's unique here is yes, we have the most popular girl in this class um, loves anime. Lo- is in a, is an otaku. She's a fucking weeb, and she loves like degenerate lewd stuff on top of that. She's super open about it. Um, she is very supportive and open uh, to other people's passions and hobbies. Um, and again, normally you would expect all that stuff to come from the unpopular character. And then mm-hmm. we have here Gojo, who is the unpopular character, um, and he's got obviously has like a passion of his own, but he's still unexpected because he's not like off-put by modding, or he is surprised that the popular girl wants to be his friend, but he doesn't let that stop him from embracing that friendship for the most part and really getting into cosplay. Like usually it would take some work for like the unpopular character to kind of just get on board with something. Here he's like, you know what? I'm also an open-minded person and I'm also a very caring person and I want to help you achieve your dreams. And I just, I love that. Like we didn't have to do this whole fucking song and dance. We spend half of the show just getting them to the point where they're like, you know, on the same wavelength in terms of this whole cosplay journey. It's like right off the bat, we're, we're doing it. Yeah, I just, I just, again, it's so interesting that he has no interest in anime, but again, he realizes how much uh, Marion is in love with cosplay and her, her desire to cosplay that he just, he just joins her for the ride. Uh, I, one note I took is just Marion's character design. There's just something so mesmerizing about it. And I think it's the eyes. I know we talked about like, how much Cloverworks like puts effort into the, the feet animation, <laughs> but I think it's it's honestly like uh, Marnie's eyes that make her so distinct from like everyone else, not just in the show, but just um, anime in general. Yeah, I agree. I love the art style, and I think it's very close to the um, manga. Oh, speaking of the manga, I should probably mention this. I fucking love this anime so much that it actually prompted me to read the manga. Mm-hmm. So I binged the manga so in we're not like strictly, one day. We're not strictly anime anymore. <laughs> no, here. to be fair, I, everyone knows <laughs> I, shared, I shared this before. I usually have like a quota of like uh, or a max of one to two manga a year that I, I I'm compelled enough from the anime to read and like last year it was Nagatoro and something else I don't even remember what I read last year um I that's like how rare I read manga Wasn't well Yona of the Dawn or something oh it might have been yeah it might have been that one last year so that was my two for last year this year already one of them is my dress my dress up darling so I've got potentially one more manga that I may pick up this year um, but that that tells you how much I enjoyed the show that I actually picked up the manga. It was great. I binged it. I don't really remember what the fuck happened because again, I can't get into manga, but I still read it. It's there. I'm still reading it. It's publishing season. Mm. I'm still reading it. But yeah, I'm hoping there's a season two. Anyway, <laughs> second episode. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah, wait, was... more, more, more notes. <laughs> no, just uh, going back to praising you guys. I was, I was, all I was gonna say is. 
uh, Cloverworks is giving MAPPA a run for its money. <laughs> so. Yeah, for sure. The animation is fucking clean in this mm. show. And uh, to your point about Madin's character design, love her character design, love her eyes. I also love Gojo's character design. I love that he has like like short, like natural hair. Um, I love like his like big soft eyes, and I love that he's like decently taller than Madin. Um, I don't know, like the, the size difference is kind of interesting because she's got such a big personality, but she's in a, like a much smaller stature than he is. And something about that I think is really interesting. And then he has that little mole uh, I he think does. Above, under one of his eyes. That seems to be like very popular nowadays in anime. A lot of characters have that. Hmm. In episode two. <laughs> weird transition. <laughs> in episode two, want to hurry up and do it? I forgot how like suggestive some of these episode titles are. But grab your face towels, dear listeners, because it's about to get spicy in here. After dumping a bunch of anime and cosplay lore on Discount Gojo, Kitagawa visits him at his family's Hina doll shop in order to take some of her measurements for her outfit. Although the real thing we need to measure is the protrusion that must have come out of Gojo's pants by the end of this session. Oh my god, yeah, they really went from zero to a thousand with the etchy. They were like, uh, by the way, this is an etchy anime. Like, they held fa- they held back in the first episode, but in episode two, they were like, no, it's it's etchy. Yeah, and this is where it's like, etchy done, but in good taste. <laughs> and again, <laughs> with fantastic animation. Right, because it fits with the story of Gojo having to take uh, Marin's measurements um but before we like i'm sure we're gonna just talk more about the etchy in this episode and another episode like further down the line but i just like with this one uh the show has like these subtle nods or even like jabs at anime or manga or cosplay culture um here it's with i think mine was explaining to gojo like the the anime and the character that she, uh, she wanted to cosplay, and I think she goes into like a very long winded explanation, and Gojo's they're kind of like the Peter Griffin meme. I think I mentioned this in eighty six too, where it's like, oh my god, who the hell cares? <laughs> but he still acknowledges her passion for the anime and for that character, much like his own passion for Hina doll. So he's very respectful of how how into it she is yeah I, I i noted that too like i love how excited Madin gets over the eroge that she's in love with and that she wants to cosplay the character from and it's to your point it seems like they're poking fun at like obnoxiously long anime or eroge titles tropey harems um those etchy games especially um when kitagawa i wrote kitagawa in my notes when Madin ignored gojo when he questioned her about the material being age restricted she's like la 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 i can't hear you <laughs> um but we can all relate to Marin and how passionate she is for this eroge when it comes to like you know a manga or an anime that we love um and how passionate she is about this character she wants to cosplay and i just i think that's another reason why this anime resonates so strongly with the anime community is because it's literally what a lot of people experience. Mm-hmm. It's the it's it's what it's like to be an anime fan, like that that's what the show is. And you get pretty detailed, um, like not stats, but like you get a detail of the process of like taking measurements. So 
Yeah, again, like this show shows such an appreciation and love for the art of cosplay. And the focus here in episode two is measurements, how to measure for a cosplay. And so with that said, um, it's interesting how, you know, they like Gojo and Martin go through this whole measurement sequence. I mean, the entire episode is literally just that. And Gojo thinks that Martin is super confident because he's freaking out the entire time because her body is like basically naked right in front of him or half naked or mostly naked. <laughs> and he can't seem to keep it together, but she's like, just do it. It's fine. Like we need these measurements. It's no big deal. But then you get that moment towards the end where he's getting her inseam measurement and his hands kind of by her crotch and he doesn't think anything of it, but then she gets super <laughs> flustered. And that's a running theme that we'll see throughout this anime is that people assume something about somebody else or they misunderstand somebody. Um, but the way they actually are can be very different. And that plays into the fact that Maureen's not the type of, type of person you would expect to love anime, um, yet she's the person that embraces it the most out of everybody. Yeah, like yeah, the, the, the turns are tabled because at that moment, Gojo's like laser focused on just getting the job done. And then that's the first moment that Maureen just gets flustered. Yeah. <laughs> but again, all of this is just amplified in a good way by how incredibly well Cloverworks animated it. I mean, everyone was talking about the feet, right? Like we've been talking about the feet, but let's also acknowledge the titty physics from when she was shaking her chest and her mm. boobs bounced around. I have never seen in anime tits move like that before i don't think that's even humanly possible but they like bounced around like they each had a mind of their own and it was so clean the way they animated it it was so like fluid and beautiful wow. i've okay, <laughs> what am i here i've never thought i'd call <laughs> titty animations beautiful like i never thought that that would come out of my mouth but it was very well done despite what it was it was very well done yeah I don't know if I can say anything, but <laughs> yeah, like obviously, like the loot is out there and it is strong. Uh, especially, I think there was a shot of um, her her behind, and that's like I think Gojo started freaking out from that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Gojo, I feel you there. I think what's nice though, and we get multiple moments of this throughout the show. While Marin does have her very lewd moments, Gojo also has his lewd moments. I enjoy and appreciate that they don't just focus all the lewd shit on Marin. They actually show that like everyone can have lewd moments, um, or at least Gojo for the most part, and then that one part with Juju that we'll talk about. So I, <laughs> I appreciate it. There's more of like a balance here when it comes to that. And in this episode, he basically kind of gets a boner, and he's like, please stop <laughs> he like hunches over and like kind of hides his boner and then he's like please please Martin, stop and then yeah then things and things and more things <laughs> yeah once he gets right on track with the task that he is presented before him like everything else just stops <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's gojo's like attention to detail and i guess the kind of like the perfectionist in him uh, last note I have is I love the ending where I think uh, Marin loans Gojo a video game like, that the character is from. Yeah. Uh, and it's two ecchi games. And <laughs> Gojo's taking, he's like researching it by playing the game and like taking notes. But you can hear the audio from it. And so his grandpa walks in and hears that too. And it just freaks him out for a moment. 
but it's just like just funny seeing Gojo just so again laser focused on just the research aspect rather than like <laughs> the the lewd or horny aspect of the game yeah and i think at one point he even says like oh i'm taking notes and then his grandpa's like the fuck he's taking <laughs> notes because <laughs> he says i think his, grandpa, shit. his grandpa's like well i mean he's at that age where he's probably exploring these things and then you know gojo's like well i'm taking notes and he's like oh shit okay <laughs> in episode three then why don't we Discount Gojo has quite a wet dream about Kitagawa, but anyways, she takes him shopping for cosplay supplies despite his post-nut ragrets. He opens up to her about his hobby for Hina dolls and the high standards he has with using the word beautiful. So Kitagawa opens up to him likewise about the cosplay needing to be done, to be done in two weeks for a cosplay event. It's time for less whacking and more working, my man. So yeah, he has a wet dream. Is that the other lewd moment you're talking That's about? another one. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, they show us him having a wet dream. And again, like, it's not just modding that's being looted here. It's also Gojo. And I I appreciate it because it's so, it, to me, it's realistic, right? Like, he's a teenager and he's in that situation. And he obviously has the hots for, for modding because she's a hot popular girl and this happens and they acknowledge it in the show and it's it's a brief moment but that's how they fucking start the entire episode um mm -hmm. but diving more into the in the events after that i feel like Madin's great because gojo tries to avoid her in the beginning worried that he'll like taint her rep reputation if people think that they're dating or whatever and she doesn't care about that at all and wants to go shopping with him and I love that fucking music that plays when she grabs his hand and is like, let's go shopping. It's the, you call it the Price is Right music mm -hmm. or like the game show music. I don't know what it is, but I love it. And I cannot wait for them to put the OST on Spotify so I can listen to that song all the time. Or it's like the, like the Sims by mode music too. That's what it reminded me it's of. It's just so fun. And they use it in the PV as well. And I was like, I need to hear more of this song. Um, so yeah, I, I love that, that moment because the song plays. But props to the translators, especially in this episode and a few others, that translated everything on Gojo's sketch of the costume, which I think is very important. It would almost be a shame if they didn't do that because of the level of detail and almost education that's involved with the show um, in terms of the cosplay. It would almost take away from that if they didn't bother to translate the sketch because that, that all kind of shows like what are the details that a cosplay creator is looking at when they're sketching these things out. And it just reinforces Gojo's astute attention to detail uh, by, again, visually showing that. And then, again, I think it's this episode where he talks to mine about choosing the right kind of fabric or the right kind of wig to fit in with her character's backstory. So it's not just like pick out, pick out the, the fabric that, is dark enough or the wig that's purple enough like he he wants to get it right yeah i mean again gojo's a catch he's super sweet and wholesome and even in this episode you know you see him working so hard to make Martin's dreams come true um he even offers to like carry her bags which was very gentleman-like of him he's he's really you know best boy and i like that Martin on the flip side, appreciates all the work that he's doing. She knows that she can't offer much when it comes to, you know, making the costume, but she's working hard to have the funds to buy everything and treating him to food as well because that's the best way that she can show her appreciation for, for everything that he's doing for her. 
in episode four, Are These Your Girlfriends? Discount Gojo stresses over getting Kitagawa's cosplay done in time, but his grandpa stresses even harder over his grandson's stocking purchase, sending him straight to the ER. Before he can give in to his shonen protagonist shortcomings, Gojo strengthens his resolve after a flashback to his grandpa's tenacity and a reminder of Kitagawa's confidence in his abilities to successfully succeed. Gojo reveals the finished piece to Kitagawa the next day, though she remorsefully reveals that she wasn't set on attending the cosplay event and putting so much pressure on him. Though Gojo breathes a sigh of relief, knowing he lives to see another day, and that Kitagawa is, like, totally in love with the outfit. <laughs> I like how you added that little piece at the end. <laughs> she says that a lot. <laughs> like, totally in love. So, this is, I think, the episode where we pretty much see the most drama in all of season one because gojo is, high school is a serious thing. <laughs> these problems matter because <laughs> gojo's falling into that trope of the self-doubting crying protagonist um he's clearly overwhelmed like it makes sense as to why he's he's crying in this episode because there's a lot happening all at once um however yeah i think like this is probably the most drama that we have gotten from these first 12 episodes and I thought it was still an appropriate amount of drama. Um, and it, the the episode overall was more telling of Gojo than it was of Marin. Like, we can predict um, how he'd behave in this episode. But I was kind of pleasantly surprised that Marin, who gen- genuinely worried for Gojo, tried to visit him and bring him food, um, even offered to help him around his house while his grandpa was recovering. And the best part is she cried when she realized her miscommunication caused him so much additional stress. And I'm like, because the first couple episodes, I was kind of worried that there wouldn't be enough of a of an even playing field between the two of them, that it would really be a like a simp moment where Gojo's simping for Madian and wants to make her dream happen, but she does nothing in return. So in the previous episode, we see she's trying to pull her weight by providing the funds, which makes sense because it's mm-hmm. cosplays for her. And then here we see her also trying to pull her weight and to offer something to Gojo in return by being available and bringing him food and clearly appreciates everything that she that he's doing for her because she breaks down and cries when she realizes the amount of stress that she unintentionally put on him man this he like drops almost everything to get this co- or this cosplay done it's like you got to take care of yourself first my boy but oh <laughs> he does i'm sure <laughs> we saw that in the previous episode <laughs> yeah. um but I think it's just in Gojo's nature to persevere. Um, and that's what he does when he's reflecting on um, his grandpa. I think he was like bringing his brushes um, along with him somewhere. I think to like their his, cousin's house. Yeah, or his cousin's where house? he was going to recover so that he doesn't get rusty with the um, his Hina doll craft. Uh, so it's mostly like a, uh, a reminder to Gojo that he just needs to tough things out when you're doing something that you love or know that it's in the end it's making someone happy and have that kind of keep you going sort of like how we do this podcast and why we do this podcast yeah there you go (laughs) uh and yeah like obviously the 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 key issue here was just miscommunication uh but i i enjoy the fact that mine was so apologetic like she wasn't like matter of fact and brushing off her mistake saying like oh yeah you didn't have to do this costume for me like by this time but like like you were saying she realizes how much stress 
yeah, she's put on Gojo because he thought there was this deadline. Um, and she's, again, just genuinely sorry for that. I think in the first episode, uh, they were talking about like Gojo going on cleaning duty because like the other students were kind of exploiting him for like just doing it because he he's so easy to exploit. Yeah. Marnie's a complete opposite here because she isn't she doesn't intend to exploit him. Like you said, she she does what she can to help him out with the cosplay, um, even though it felt kind of out of balance here. So. Yeah, she she recognizes that it's her fault, and 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 takes, and takes that blame. But they move forward in a positive manner, so that's what matters. In episode five, it's probably because it's the best boob bag here. Kitagawa invites Discount Gojo to take photos of her in costume and attend a cosplay event, where she attracts more love and attention despite our dress-up darling nearly passing out from heat stroke. Although Gojo laments the fact at Although Gojo laments at the fact that this may be his last time hanging out with our looting lady, she fluffs him up, wink wink, with thoughts about her next cosplay. And our tactful tailor makes sure to pull a pro gamer move by commenting on Kitagawa's beautiful cosplay before dozing off on their train ride home. This episode, I mean a lot of the show is, but this episode I thought was particularly relatable for anyone who's cosplayed. I've been there wearing a mm-hmm. cosplay in the summer heat. Um, when I went to Anime Expo, it's in the middle of the summer in California, and holy shit, the walk from the hotel to the convention center was death. And dealing with the pain of a wig and a wig cap, I mean, you know that as well, just the pressure on your head wearing yeah. it for several hours in a row. Um, it's just, it's tough, but we do it for the cosplay. And again, I'm not a professional cosplayer. I'm like a very casual hobby type of cosplayer, but these are still things that you experience regardless. And I, I found it very, very relatable watching this episode. I think the worst I had it, and I talked about this in our, uh, episode with Otaku Host Club about anime conventions and cosplay is when I had my Call of Duty ghost cosplay and I was like in like full military gear and a balaclava. So my entire body was covered, but it was like sweltering heat outside in like Chicago, uh, like late spring, early summer weather. And it's just humid out. I don't know how I didn't like pass out from like heat stroke or whatever. Yeah. And our summers are humid as fuck. Mm-hmm. So humid. So yeah, I, I can feel uh, mine much as Gojo was able, uh, able to feel mine <laughs> when it's wiping down her back. And man, just the dialogue in that scene, like take it out of context. She says things like, could you go a bit lower? And, <laughs> you know, she's moaning. It's just, again, another lewd moment, but I think it plays up to a very good comedic effect. I also totally forgot that Gojo said that line in an, in an earlier episode about only calling something beautiful when he feels it deep in his heart, like when mm. he's truly passionate about it. And then seeing Madin's reaction, seeing her get super flustered over the fact that he said that she looked beautiful or whatever was really, really cute. Like, I, I like that they both get flustered instead of just Gojo getting flustered whenever Madin does something. And again, this plays into how I feel like there's rom-com elements um, 
but also very unique elements to this show. Like you wouldn't expect Marin to be the one to fall in love with Gojo. You wouldn't expect Marin to be the one to get flustered over something that Gojo says. You would expect it to go the other way. But here she's like, holy shit. He just said that, you know, I was beautiful or my cosplay was beautiful or whatever. And he only says that when he feels it deep in his heart. Yeah, I love that sort of full circle moment that gives more context to that previous scene where he talks about, I think it's, I realized the word beautiful existed for things like that in reference to uh, a childhood memory where he saw like um, Hina dolls um, and just that how that ignited his passion for that hobby. Uh, I can't say it until I absolutely feel it from my heart. So it, already it's establishing how much Kitagawa, or <laughs> there's me interchanging it again, how much mine means to him just by saying the word beautiful. It's very, very poetic. In episode six, for real, G-Pops returns home from his hospital stint to find Discount Gojo and Kitagawa hanging out, having fun, and eating apps. As our looting lady comes to terms with her growing attraction to her tactful tailor, in comes Juju, Kitagawa's cosplay idol, who commissions Gojo for her next cosplay outfit after seeing Kitagawa's cosplay photos throw social media into a frenzy much like what My Dress Up Darling has done to social media in real life. As I mentioned a bit ago, it is so refreshing to have the popular character have feelings develop first in this relationship and acknowledge them only six episodes into the show. That's way faster relationship development than most other slow burn romances. Like, way faster. I I appreciate it. I'm like, they're not dicking around here. No pun intended. They're like, yes, she likes him. She's falling for him. Let's get this train moving. And um, I'm on that ride. Um, so yeah, I just, I love that Martin develops feelings for Gojo, the unpopular guy first. And she doesn't care about social status or anything like that. She just genuinely cares about him. You know what I took from this episode? What? <laughs> that eye shot. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. Yeah, you know, like, all, all the stuff about, you know, Marin developing feelings for Gojo, that's that's great and all. But that eye shot. <laughs> oh my god. Is that the first real real vagina he's seen? Probably, that's right? So he's he's awkward. a <laughs> he's an introvert, doesn't really leave the Hina doll shop. How do you like uh, overcome a situation <laughs> like that? I I I would like never speak to that person again just out of pure awkwardness. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, <laughs> we saw a meme where uh, they compared this eye shot to uh, Code Geass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that was so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, these are two completely different scenes. I especially love after that shot, Goljo has a flashback to a conversation he has with his grandfather. Oh my God. About, Why doesn't this Hina doll have hair? So funny. <laughs> so, Holy oh shit. Oh man, the comedic timing is just on point. Oh my God. It's it's great. Like again, it's edgy, but it's edgy in service of the comedy. And I honestly thought that this like accidental peeping Tom moment, um, I, I thought it was just going to be pure edgy, but it, they continue to show us that the etchy has a point here because this plays into the story where Juju is now able to force Gojo into making a cosplay for her. Although, to be fair, I'm sure he'd probably say yes anyway because he's a really nice guy. But now there's like that she extra... She blacks mail, blackmails him. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's that extra incentive now. Like you saw my vagina, so now you have to make a cosplay for me. But I, I also enjoy that modding. 
like i figured she'd have some level of jealousy that gojo's with another girl mm-hmm. but she is not that way at all she immediately um like she immediately is just excited that one of the cosplayers that she looks up to is in the room with her and she doesn't doubt gojo for even a second as to why there's another girl in his house with him yeah i thought this was gonna turn into a harem but i guess it didn't well yeah <laughs> we'll see though i don't know i also really liked how um again Madin talking about anime just getting really excited about it and being passionate about it i feel like is this what it's like for jojo fans talking about jojo like is this what it, it's like for non-jojo fans to hear us jojo fans talk about jojo i feel like that's that's the experience they go through like what gojo is going through trying to keep up with Madin and having to listen to her gush about her favorite anime is probably what it's like to be an anime fan who doesn't watch jojo and then us jojo fans come in and just derail the conversation we monopolize the conversation about jojo this reminds me of a time when one of my best friends who isn't into anime asked me about attack on titan and so i tried to give them like a concise explanation but you know when you start hearing yourself you're kind of like Am I boring the shit out of this person? <laughs> That's what this reminds me of. And I think there was a s- scene where like, there's a flow chart of relationships in the, the show that uh, Juju and Marina are trying to cosplay from now, which is Flower Princess Blaze, which I think it's almost like a parody of uh, like Sailor Moon. Um, and you, like, you can clearly see Gojo's trying to follow it, but he's just not like getting super get, getting super into it. Uh, but I found that to be cute because he doesn't understand it because he's never seen it, but he is trying his best to listen and follow along mm-hmm. um, and just have some sort of level of interest. But then I also love his moments of realism where like, I don't know, like when he goes into Madin's room for the first time and he's like, oh yeah, this is definitely your room because it's a crazy obnoxious room or here where she's like explaining this whole show. And then at the end, she mentions it's a kid's show. And then he gets that like stark reaction where he's like, wait, this is a kid's show. (laughs) So yeah, I just like that he has these moments of like these what the fuck moments basically when he's learning about the new anime or edoge that Madin's really into. He's he's the kind of friend that you want that will... Listen to what you have to say about your hobbies. And not <laughs> Even if your hobbies them. are crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In episode seven, holy crap, I'm on a date at home with the guy I love. <laughs> love. <laughs> Juju agrees to a group cosplay with Kitagawa, and Discount Gojo visits her place to do some research on the Sailor Moon knockoff anime they plan to cosplay. Kitagawa suddenly realizes that she is on a hot date with our tactful tailor. And Omarice cooking comedy ensues. The next day, the pair meet with Juju's cosplay photographer, who happens to be her older sister, Shinju, who happens to carry two things bigger than any DSLR lens. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought it was great that Marin was so oblivious about her not wearing a bra. But then, like, Gojo notices it right away, of course. Um, And then she freaks out and she's like, oh shit, I don't have my colored contacts in. And he's like, that's what you were worried about? You're not wearing a bra. Your boobies are everywhere. But that's Madin's personality. Like, that's Gojo's personality, and that's Madin's personality. Like, that's very much them. So I thought that was really funny that she had no idea what he was really freaking out about. (laughs) Vanity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The thing I took out from this episode, I think you talked about it earlier, is um, 
with his grand Gojo's grandpa looking at um, a Hina doll. I think was the head that Gojo was working on. That he sees that there's uh, more care and more detail that Gojo has put into it, and he comments that it's because Gojo has accumulated xp points in life <laughs> xp um and I, it just resonates with me because it, it's something it reminds me of uh when I, I used to take piano lessons when i was younger my teacher would always tell me to play with like emotion or with feeling and that's it, hard to like teach someone because i think you have to develop enough life experiences before you can really pour your emotions into something so it was just very reminiscent Thing for me to hear from Gojo's grandpa because my pian my former piano teacher is also like similar in age so it was very cathartic I really like that his hobby is Hina dolls as well like at first I thought that was kind of random but there are extreme parallels between his love of Hina dolls and Madin's love of cosplay I mean she basically she basically is his real life Hina doll the bisque doll yeah like he's creating outfits for her doing her hair and makeup and doing what he does for Hina dolls with her but it also gives him an opportunity to do that on a grander scale again with an actual person so i i enjoy that a lot i love the parallels there in episode eight backlighting is the best the group scouts a perfectly safe and totally not condemned abandoned hospital for their photo shoot where Juju opens up to discount Gojo about how cosplay opened up a world of possibilities for her, one of which is swooning after Gojo grabs her hand after being in awe of her passion. Later, our pair of protagonists head to the beach after finals, where Gojo confesses to living quite a sheltered life, and Kitagawa promising to take him to all sorts of places over the summer. I'm sure her mind is also going to all sorts of places too, but the NC-17 kind. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we get more info on Juju and get to know her sister more. And I can certainly relate to that feeling of loving a character so much you just want to dress like them and become them. That's why people cosplay. Um, for me, the the big thing here was the beach scene, that, that whole part of the episode. It was super cute, but it looked weird. Yeah. Like there were like moments of rotoscoping that kind of broke my immersion, as it always does, because I'm not a fan of rotoscoping. And the background and scenery didn't blend well with the actual characters laid on top of them it almost kind of looked fake i don't know like just visually there were parts of this episode that were very strange to me i think and i could be totally wrong but i thought i saw somewhere that there was like a guest animator on this episode or something unique about this episode um but don't take my word for it i'm not entirely sure i don't recall where i saw that yeah something just seemed off about this episode i don't know if they just decided, you know, this will be our low-budget one. <laughs> um, but, yeah. But even then, it was still very well done. It, the animation was still clean, as always. And the whole beach scene was super, super cute. Gojo shares that he never took advantage of experiencing things in life because he was so focused on Hina dolls. And then, as you said, Madi invites him to go to all sorts of places, just the two of them, and then realizes afterwards what she actually said, that she's basically, like, showing her feelings for him. Um, but I, I love that the, the core of this episode is her just gushing over Gojo and how she takes a picture of him because she's just in awe of like how happy he looks um, and just like innocent he is. And her, her genuine adoration for him is 
one of my favorite parts about their relationship because again you would not expect the popular character to be so head over heels for the unpopular character you would expect it to be the other way around and really by the end of um season one we don't actually know what gojo's true feelings are towards Marin. i think it's safe to assume mm. what they will be but he has not yet expressed um actual romantic feelings towards her he thinks she's hot as fuck right like we, we we know that part we know what he does there but he has yet to show any romantic feelings towards her yeah i don't know if he still has that mentality of they're in different social classes so he feels undeserving to be in a relationship with her or if he just like strictly thinks of her as a client <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like like the beach scene was nice, save for like the the weird animation. Um, I think at, towards the end, just to to kind of play off like um, how much she's getting flustered, she says, "I'm getting a little thirsty," and goes back to their spot on the beach. Thirsty? It's like, huh? oh yeah, you are. <laughs> In episode nine, a lot happened after I saw that photo. Discount Gojo puts the group cosplay together in time for the photo shoot where it is revealed that he secretly made a male cosplay outfit for Shinju after she opened up to him about her desire to cosplay as well. All it took was a little belief in herself and a beholder. Shinju and Kitagawa gawk at how good their group cosplay looks and carry on with their photo shoot in a perfectly safe and totally not condemned abandoned hospital. So yes, once again, the episode starts off with Gojo insinuating that he jerked off to a picture of Mari. <laughs> what? He did? Yeah, that's what he meant by a lot happened after you sent me that picture. Oh. Uh... And it's not, so now that I've read the manga, it's actually more clear <laughs> in the manga what happened because in the anime, he says that and kind of gets nervous and then that's all that, that really is mentioned. In the manga, there's a, pa- a part of, like there's a panel in the manga that says like, he basically says, a lot happened after you showed me that picture. And then there's kind of like a, a bit of text that says, but Gojo will never tell Martin what happened. Uh, so he, he he jerked off to a picture of her. My God, <laughs> Gojo. I get it. You're a high school student. You have these feelings inside you and they just need to come out. But <laughs> they're coming out one way or the other. That's for sure. <laughs> but again, I appreciate it. I appreciate that it's not a one-way street here. It's not... Like Gojo obsessed with Marin, she actually has feelings for him, and it's not just Marin being looted. Like Gojo also has lewd moments. Like there's just a nice balance here, you know. I don't, I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> I think it's again, it plays into the fact that this anime still follows the same formula of romances, but does it in a unique way. They still kind of break out of some of the tropes. But moving on, (laughs) moving on, really great episode that focused on the cosplay more than we've seen before. It taught us as the viewers a lot about techniques when it comes to cross-play. And again, you can tell the creator really has an appreciation for this craft and for this art form. Now, again, here I love that Gojo inspired Shinju by saying, I think you can be anything that you want, um, allowing her to properly express her desire to cosplay and by helping her put together a costume that will fit in with a group cosplay so it's him inspiring alongside being inspired and him paying it forward by helping bring out the good in people with his work my only question is how did he have all the time to work with shinju in between everyone else's projects 
No fucking idea. <laughs> no idea. In their conversation um, between Shinju and Gojo, uh, we get that re resurfacing of the theme that everyone has a lot going on and that you know you really shouldn't assume something about a person um, or there's more happening inside than what they may show on the outside. For example, Ma uh, Gojo thinks that Madi never gets embarrassed and is always perfect, which we saw was not the case. Um, Shinju thinks that Gojo is an expert at cosplay and never hesitates when making a cosplay or working on a wig, which is not the case. Like he very much hesitates and is kind of learning as he goes. So yeah, it's just kind of a reoccurring theme here that people are more than meets the eye. I think that's actually the title of the next episode. Everyone has a lot going on, episode 10. Oh. So on that topic, after the photo shoot, Shinju and Juju open up to each other about their newly shared passion for cosplay thanks to Discount Gojo's intervention. Though do we smell a hint of jealousy from Kitagawa now that a new foe has appeared? Regardless, the pair have another hot date in Shibuya, where Gojo reveals his uncomfortability with the skimpiness of Kitagawa's next cosplay outfit. She forgives him and plans to make up for her faux pas by sending photos of herself to his number. Psych! That's the wrong number. <laughs> um, so the teams, there's a possible love triangle developing with Shinju, Shinju, Juju. Um, I kind of hope not because I, I feel like it doesn't need that, but maybe they'll still, they'll try to infuse it. I don't they'll, know. They'll save that for like season two. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I enjoyed their shopping trip. I just thought that was really cute to kind of see them do something different for a change. And it was cute that Madin was helping him pick out clothes. And even though he didn't like the clothes and the clerk or not the clerk, but the uh, the employee didn't like the clothes. She was like, he looks so great in them because she's just head over heels for him. And then Gojo continues to be a gentleman when he's honest about the underboob situation, that it was that it would be too much for him to handle. It's just, it plays into the fact that Gojo is a really great best boy character. But, you know, it, it's it's a life lesson. Seeing, seeing such plump, healthy underboob makes you healthier, too. <laughs> I, know, I love oh that God. line. <laughs> The only other note I have from this episode is Scotchers. <laughs> Scotch, oh yes, <yeah>, Scotchers. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I love when anime take brands like real life brands and have to put a spin on the name. Scotchers is that's just a chef's kiss. It reminds me of that TikTok that we found. Where the person was like Kit Kat, no, no take, take it, it, four fingers, and all the other. Like off-brand names. <laughs> yeah, or they they use the was it Uni Uni here for Uniqlo? Oh yeah. Which we went to the Uniqlo in Shibuya. We did. So wow. that was a, a really nice one. Yeah, we walked those same floors. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here it is, episode eleven. Oh my god, episode eleven. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I am currently at a love hotel. Y'all still got your face towels? Because the spiciness is strong with this one. Discount Gojo manages to pull together Kitagawa's cosplay outfit, a sultry succubus, from simple manga sketches, but struggles to pull himself together once he realizes she's invited him to a one-on-one -on -one photo shoot at a love hotel. All goes well, but doesn't necessarily end well when the pair find themselves in quite compromising positions. Egged on by a very supportive next-door neighbor, who seems to be having trouble catching their breath. A phone call from the front desk cuts through the tension faster than truffle butter, 
allowing Gojo to return home and blow off some steam. Truffle butter with some <laughs> with some Wait healthy, a minute. with some healthy fist pumping exercises. What the fuck? I, I like that was caught, a deep like, cut, wasn't like it? Like a delayed reaction there when I realized what you said. Well, um okay. I mean, by far, this is the best episode by far. Mm-hmm. I I love this episode. I think all of the fandom loved this episode. This is all anyone was talking about after it came out, like on Twitter and Reddit. Holy shit. So let's let's talk about the non-lewd aspects first and then get into like the meat and potatoes of what really happened here. Um, I love, again, how they poke fun at light novel titles. Yes. Because it was like some ridiculously long title and then the shortened version was suck idk which at first i thought it said suck dick and i kind of wish it said suck dick but it didn't <laughs> i think that was like just a uh tongue-in-cheek humor from the translator yeah <laughs> like succubus you know suck dick <laughs> why not and this episode explores um as i mentioned earlier like the more creative and brainstormy aspects of cosplay because here there's not a lot of detail for Goto to go off of, so he needs to take some creative liberty in creating this cosplay for like a full-grown person. Um, so I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, it's like I mentioned in the synopsis. There aren't many details that Gojo can go off of, so yeah, it's like he faces a, a, a an even more difficult challenge with the cosplay that Mine presents to him, but. My doy, my my doy, my doy, <laughs> my boy does well with any challenge he faces. I also forgot. I think he buys a new. I think it's called Jinbei, like the, the that like robe he sort of wears. Mm-hmm. I I didn't realize like he's been wearing this the the whole time. Like he never wears anything else besides like his school uniform. That's why she took him shopping. And oh it yeah, didn't yeah, Because yeah, right. he felt uncomfortable and everything. <laughs> probably because Jinbei looks so free-flowing it's not like a tight shirt or whatever yeah <laughs> all right well that's all i had that was non-lewd now the rest mm-hmm. is all lewd and we we tweeted out um that we were we're always prepared for lewd modding moments but we were not prepared for this lewd gojo moment uh very much so not not expecting this um and i have to say this probably tops what happened in rent-a-girlfriend that's all i'm gonna say if you watched rent-a-girlfriend you know which episode i'm talking about this tops this. I to me, this episode had like the most well done sexual tension of any a- anime episode I've ever seen, and like nothing super super crazy happens compared to some other things that I've seen in anime. But they still did this so well. Cloverworks adapted this this whole scene very very well, with like they they just like put everything out on the line. Like they they just did. I don't know how to describe it without getting into it but i just thought yeah it was it was surprisingly very well done yeah gojo just needed to put it out there too yeah <laughs> apparently apparently oh like, man oh my god i i haven't laughed it like in an in an uncomfortable but excited way at an anime in such a, a long time like i you were sitting next to me on the couch and I could not stop laughing because I was, I was so uncomfortable, yeah, but also I, <laughs> finding the situation so funny the whole time. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's nice that we're older and we're adults, so we're not like within the vicinity of our parents. But imagine if our I don't know if any of our listeners had this experience, but imagine if our parents walked in 
and saw us watching this scene. Holy shit. <laughs> they would have a field day. That would be so awkward. But I, I think what makes this whole like sequence really great is the level of realism here. Nothing is really over the top, right? Or like super mm-hmm. crazy. It's honestly a very um, realistic situation like yeah you may not find yourself in that situation but if you did it would probably unfold this way kind of like how Godo's freaking out that he's in a love hotel right and then when Marin goes in the bathroom to change he thinks let me try to calm down by watching some tv well he turns it on and there's porn on obviously and it's super <laughs> realistic because he turns it off in a panic but then curiosity gets the better of him and he turns it back on and immediately mutes it so that he can watch it without Marin knowing and then she, you know, opens the door and he freaks out again. But I'm like, I people probably do that shit. Like, that's probably very realistic. Like, a, a high school guy probably is going to be very curious to want to watch porn. Even someone as innocent as Gojo, I'm sure, would do that. That was a pretty long watch, though. Like, <laughs> from what I remember, it was, like, more than just two seconds. He was staring intently at that screen. He wanted knows, to know. Maybe, maybe he was taking mental notes, like how he did with the Etchy game. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, I just love that because it's just one of those sort of like sitcom-y moments that reflects things that you you would do in real life, but just watching it out of context just makes it even funnier. Yeah, and really, I think the the blend of innocence here with the lewd makes this such a unique situation to watch because it really is cute how innocent the situation is where Gojo wanted to just get a great shot of Madin singing that lullaby And then they start gushing over how much fun they're having and how much they enjoy doing cosplay together and how much they're in love with it. And then shit unfolds. We hear some moaning from the other room. And because Gojo hears that, he pitches a fucking tent. (laughs) And I literally screamed when his penis activated. It was the best tent ever pitched in anime. (laughs) Like, I was not expecting them to actually show his boner growing in his pants. Like, when his penis turned on, I screamed. I was sit- again. I was sitting next to you on the couch, and I was like, "Oh my god, what the fuck!" I can't. I can't imitate how I screamed, but it was very much a shocking moment for me because I did not expect them to go that far. But it is a very realistic portrayal of how the situation may go down. I think what makes it even funnier is that you only see the Bonner for the a Bonner. <laughs> for a split second. But it's enough to, it to immediately enough. understand. <laughs> but it just how it just cuts right away. Just I love the timing of that. And yeah, I I was almost in a sweat just watching this scene unfold. <laughs> it They're was just spicy. breathing breathing towards each other and you, you kinda see them like almost go in for the kiss because they've had all this foreplay. And then they're just ripped out of the moment by that (laughs) that phone ringing. I think the only thing that made me scream harder than when, harder, than when um, Gojo got that boner, like, right in the middle of of the screen, like, super zoomed into his, like, you know, his crotch area, was when they looked like they were going to kiss. I was like, just kiss! Just do it already! Just make it happen! But it didn't, because, you know, it's a slow burn. But, man, the hormones that were raging in that scene... But then we, we we get closure. Oh my end, god! Which I did not catch the first time. But then you you kind of explained to me what was going on. There there's quite a bit of euphemisms happening here. So yes, um, it, it's not it's before the credits, right? 
Yes, before the credits. Yeah, so that, that final scene is supposed to be a euphemism for Gojo jacking it to the situation that happened with Marine. Because, like you, at first you don't think anything of it. You just think, like, he's flustered because of the experience he just had. But he's laying on his futon. He, his face is beat red. Um, he's sweating. His one arm is kind of kinked inward, you know, because he's probably reaching down there. And the Hina doll is rocking. Like, the face is rocking next to him. Yeah, <laughs> to, like, the beat of what's happening, if you the get what beat, I'm saying. Huh? And I think him hitting his forehead is supposed to be, like, what's happening down in his pants. Where he's also hitting a head. <laughs> yes, and it's the sound of knocking on wood. Uh, get it like his wood <laughs> he, his wood is hard right like such deep analysis i know <laughs> we will make like a we'll write a whole thesis on how this creator and how cloverworks portrays gojo jacking off to maureen <laughs> oh man like i again i i think it's so fucking funny and like uncomfortable but still very well done even that final scene of Gojo masturbating, I I think is still well done because it's not incredibly lewd. But if you think about it, even just a little bit, you realize what the fuck he's doing. Well, he had to get rid of the blue balls one in it, one way or another. I mean, did you see his bloodshot <laughs> eyes when they got in the elevator? That that kid, <laughs> that kid just had an experience. That's for sure. <laughs> I wonder if he had. I don't know if it showed it, but like if he had to walk away or walk out of the hotel room with like this raging bonner. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but I, I appreciate that the both of them were equally flustered. Again, it wasn't this imbalance of like Marine's like, oh whatever, like I'm the popular girl, I'm used to this shit. No no big deal. Like they were both on a totally even playing field throughout this whole situation. And yeah. The boner. The only unrealistic thing I can call out from this episode is how old do you have to be to get a room at a love hotel? That's a good question, yeah, because they're not of age, but apparently no one ID'd them. Oh, uh, because, yeah, I, I looked this up. You have to be at least 18 to rent a room. But it is Japan. When I've gone there... Um, what that mean? <laughs> well, when I went to Japan um, before I turned... I think the legal drinking age is 20. Yeah. Um, I went there before I was 20, and... I mean, this is bad, but we were able to buy alcohol. Um, granted, I was six months away from being 20, but um, we were able to buy alcohol because no one ID'd us. Even though we looked pretty young, no one ID'd us at the grocery store. There's mm. su such an honor system that, that happens there. I could be wrong. I've never gone to a love hotel. I don't know. But maybe, you know, presumably they never even needed or thought to ID the two of them because that's they're pretty responsible and trusting there. And that's how they got in. That's the only mm. loophole I could think as to how she was able to book it and they were able to go into the hotel room. I figured, you know, Japan is all about like compliance and regulations that they would stick to IDing a guest before giving them a room. True. And at the same time, you'd think that someone wouldn't even bother to break that rule, but it is Maureen that we're talking about. Granted, yeah. she said she booked it on accident. She didn't realize that it was a love hotel. She didn't realize it was a love hotel until they literally arrived to the place. And I think, according to the uh, my dress up doll, my dress up, my dress up darling wiki, uh, mine is fifteen years old. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, long story short, episode eleven, fantastic. Yeah, ten out of ten IGN. It it was great. <laughs> One of the best rom com episodes I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, let's move to episode twelve. <laughs> 
Yeah, which is titled My Dress Up Darling. Kitagawa and Discount Gojo decide to erase their memories of the previous episode by catching up on summer schoolwork and watching a horror movie together, but not before she reveals her new part-time modeling job in order to save up money for a proper camera. The pair later attend a summer festival because fuck you, this is an anime, and they grow ever closer in connection because fuck you, this is a romance anime. In a post credit scene, Kitagawa calls a dozing discount Gojo for comfort during a second horror movie viewing, where our dress-up darling secretly confesses her love for her dress-up dude. I enjoyed this episode a lot. I think it was a nice way to kind of round out the first season. Um, yes, it's tropey in the fact that they're going to the festival, um, but I thought it was cute how Gojo was so infatuated with Marin wearing traditional Japanese clothing. Um, I You get the fireworks moment, right? Where like they're going to start to develop feelings for each other because it's such a romantic situation. And then she breaks that whole trope by sticking her tongue out at him and it's all blue. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed that as well because that's very much in Marin's character. Um, but I also really like that he was so happy to hear her say that she wants to go with him again next year because I think he's still is in this doubting mode where he sees this really popular person and feels, as you mentioned earlier, he's not worthy to be with her um, because they're such different people. So I think he he still needs convincing that she actually really cares about him. Like, bruh, she's been with you this whole time. Bruh, she literally is in love with you because holy shit, we got a confession at the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) A couple of things I wanted to point out. Um, when Marin shows Gojo the magazines uh, of her modeling work, in my head I was thinking, what are you going to use those magazines for, Gojo? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need them. He's more, got those pictures from before. <laughs> yeah, more fist pumping exercises. Uh, the the scene with the Marin in her black uh, yukata, is that what it's called? And showing the, the nape of her neck. Wait, what is this, Attack on Titan? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's so weird. Like Gojo carries Marin on his back because she's like tired from walking. You get more gratuitous foot shot, foot shots, and then, like you said, they, Marin says that she plans to attend more festivals with him next year, and then it just ends. Like it, I'm not. I wasn't expecting to feel like cathartic with this, but it was such a abrupt ending i don't know well was it though because there's that post credit scene there is so that provided more clarity i was, I was about to say post nut clarity <laughs> well i already said it uh but just like the episode proper i just maybe it was just me expecting it since it's a finale to have more but i think it was just nice in that it was a simple episode i think we needed that after the events of the previous episode <laughs> just to focus on them again just growing closer to each other and having that tropey film or like like fireworks scene that you I, I feel like you see that in a lot of anime films but i guess it pops up in tv anime as well yeah i, I agree i think that i was hoping for more of like a splashy ending um but maybe this is just kind of holding us over until a season two maybe i'm sure there'll be a season two yeah there better be i can't live everyone is raving about this (laughs) but yeah i I agree i think that maybe we were all kind of hoping for like a bigger something 
during the festival because that's usually when it happens. But instead, we got the bigger something in the post-credits scene because this anime continues to kind of break away from some of the formulaic um, tropey pieces of anime rom-coms. So I, I think I felt unsatisfied before the credits scene. And then the post-credits scene, I think, completed that. And I felt satisfied after that. Which, again, sounds weird saying that considering the, the context of the previous episode. <laughs> but you brought up something interesting. And this is slight spoilers for the manga. But this was actually in a different order in the manga. Is I think that right? so. So don't quote me on this because, again, I binge the shit out of it. And generally, manga is kind of like meh for me. Uh, but I believe that the confession happens before the um the festival scene because they watched the scary movie together and then that night she calls him and says i watched more movies by myself and now i'm scared i could be wrong i can't quite remember um but even so i mean it's common for anime to take bits and pieces or even uh, omit certain pieces from the manga in order to develop it more for the tv um adaptation i would actually say though from the very, very, very few manga that I've read, this is actually the one that follows the manga almost to a T. It's actually, hmm. I think, a one-for-one one to the manga up until this final episode where there are some changes because I think there's a little bit of something that happens what would have been between episode 11 and episode 12 that we don't get in episode 12. And then on top of that, I mean, I don't think it's a spoilers for the manga, but like her dad actually comes home in the manga um, and he's the one that that's when he tells her you need to do your homework or we're not going to the festival. Mm. So you get introduced to her dad in the manga, but here they omitted him, I guess. You never see parents in anime. I know. Right? <laughs> I don't. Oh, we saw the grandpa here, of course, but um, yeah, you never see parents in anime. <laughs> yeah, if, if this was if the order of the scenes were kind of altered for the anime, I thought this was a great scene to to cap the entire series with is her confession of love because i think that everything kind of built up to this moment and it it gave us closure because now the confession is out there and we we know for sure that she loves this man even though he's like fully asleep by the time she confesses to him i know i'm like damn why wasn't he awake what if I, I was expecting to for him to just whisper back i love you too <laughs> like half asleep not realizing <laughs> yeah you know like in your dreams say you don't know what you're saying but yeah they're not official yet but we shall see soon soon and so that brings us to our final thoughts for my dress up darling so how many dress me up before you go, Joes, out of 10 would you give this anime? I feel like I already know. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So again, when I when I rate anime, besides like my all-time favorites, I try to be as objective as possible. So I don't know. Maybe I have some recency bias. Maybe I'm on the hype train. But I'm giving this a 10 out of 10. Ooh. And I'm not like when I rate stuff, I kind of think about it in the context that it's in and in the genre that it's in. So, yeah, like I've rated Code Geass a 10 out of 10. I rated Attack on Titan a 10 out of 10. I'm not saying that this show is better than those, but they're in a, like totally different genres, totally different realms. So within the realm of rom-coms, this has to be one of the best, if not the best rom-com I've ever seen. Um, I, I love it. And to me, this is like a, close to a perfect 
slice of life rom-com Rigby's Rigby's making weird noises over there um from animation to ost to characters to the story and most importantly the relationship building between Marin and gojo um and making me like really invested in them this show did everything really well and got me to be very obsessed with it like everything just came together so well for this anime and it's so nice when you have an all-around solid great successful anime and i felt that this was going to be something special from the moment we watched the trailer i remember watching that trailer and just thinking oh my god i cannot wait to watch that anime that trailer was great so if even the trailer if even the pv was amazing for this anime I, I think that this really was a huge success. And I like I, I wanna find things that are negative about the show or some critiques so that I can have, you know, as well rounded of a of an opinion and a review as possible. But I, I honestly am struggling to find anything really negative with it or anything where it fell short. I guess maybe it could have used a bit more drama, but I feel like it's maybe too early in the story to introduce any kind of like true drama. Kinda kinda like Comey. Um, no big spoilers for Comey, but season one was kind of, you know, getting us introduced to the characters and everything. So I think having like major drama in season one would probably feel a little out of place and it'd be the same thing here. So I, I don't know, maybe the biggest issue with the show is that they never played that Price is Right song again after the first few episodes. <laughs> Cause I really, really like that, that song. So that's, that's my biggest qualm, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any major issues with the show maybe the beach episode had some weird rotoscoping i guess um maybe sometimes this anime plays into some of those rom-com tropes but still does them very well so yeah that's it i'm giving it a 10 out of 10 what about you here comes the <laughs> hot takes <laughs> no i don't think this is a hot take uh but i would give this an eight and a half out of ten I can't say personally that Kitagawa is the wot, the waifu of all time. Oh, I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> because Komi, she still holds a special place in my heart. But just watching this show, um, she has become one of the most endearing, uh, energetic, and authentic waifus, I think, in recent memory. Uh, Gojo, on the other hand, he's, he's still a good-natured and encouraging male lead, despite just feeling very wooden in comparison to mine. But what do you mean by wooden? Like a wooden character? What the hell? I've never I've never heard. I don't know what that means. <laughs> someone that does has like a, a kind of bland personality. Like a flat character? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because when I when I heard you say wooden earlier, I thought you were making like, like no, a sexual it was not, joke. No, it was not a euphemism. <laughs> like his wood. <laughs> a wooden character. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Uh, it says here, uh, wooden characters have little depth. So, so he's that's a what shallow I, character. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got depth. You know, I think this uh, contrast between the two is it's just a situation where opposites attract. And we see that a lot in not just anime, but in real life. So I, I respect that. And despite this absence of any considerable drama or conflict throughout the show, and as I mentioned before, a decreasing focus on Gojo's own passion for uh, Hina dolls and being a Hina doll craftsman. I think the unlikely friendship and the feel-good story of this rom-com between Kitagawa and Gojo is is still one that's sure enough to warm any frigid heart, which was needed 
especially during these frigid winter months. <laughs> uh, and of course, Cloverworks coat of glittering and sparkling paint over the entire show was just the cherry on top, despite that one beach episode hiccup. Finally, to end on a high note, the OP, or not the OP, the ED was definitely my vibe for winter 2022. So I, I got to hit the Kuhn, Kuhn, Kuhn every time it comes up on our anime Spotify playlist. Kuhn, Kuhn, Kuhn. Na, 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 na. <laughs> so let's, let's all hope for a season two announcement. I will be uh, praying to Kamisama every single day that they will announce a season two and hopefully in a timely manner because I think that the show has a ton of hype, has a lot of potential, and has a lot more story left to tell, and I'm ready for it. A lot more lewd moments as well. Oh, my God. I don't know how they're going to top episode 11, but let's hope that they do it. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> kind of a double meaning there. I did not intend that, but there you go. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, hopefully you enjoyed My Dress Up Darling as much as we did, especially me, because I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, let us know what your thoughts were on episode 11. Did you find it as uh, as much sexual tension as we did? Did you scream when Gojo had a boner? Um, did you feel as awkward as they did leaving the love hotel let us know because uh we are genuinely curious to know if anyone else reacted the way that we reacted but we appreciate you guys thank you for tuning in once again and that wraps up episode 81 of strictly anime if you enjoyed the podcast and like to support the show then head over to patreon.com slash strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every monday Join our Discord to continue the conversation so you can tell us what you thought about episode 11. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll find more info on Strictly JoJo, where we'll be starting our Stardust Crusaders <laughs> series review. Rigby is really hungry right now and he keeps bothering me because he wants his dinner. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. And that wraps up episode eight. Rigby! <laughs> that wraps up ep episode. Fuck, I can't talk now. <laughs>